This is Voices of COVID-19. I'm Brian Lucas. Thanks for joining us. As much as we focus on the United States and how the coronavirus has upended our society and our economy, it's important to remember that this is a global issue. Every nation has had to develop a response to try to protect their citizens and prevent the spread of this virus. For some smaller countries, it's especially critical to get ahead of the pandemic because their health systems and their economies could easily be overrun if COVID-19 gets out of control. In this episode, we're going to look at Guatemala and how the government and the citizens are responding to the pandemic. So far, Guatemala has seen a relatively small number of cases. As of this recording, they had around 2,000 confirmed COVID cases and 35 deaths. But that doesn't mean the Guatemalan government and its residents are letting up their guard. To the contrary, the country is on high alert to try to prevent the virus from spreading. To provide some perspective about how coronavirus is impacting everyday life in Guatemala, I'm joined by Nicole Sanchez. Nikki is a college student in Guatemala studying politics right now. I got to know Nikki when she stayed with our family as an exchange student a couple of years ago, and we've stayed in touch ever since. Nikki, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me today. Thank you for having me. My first question for you is just, can you tell me a little bit about what life is like for you? How has COVID-19 impacted your community? Actually, I'm currently living at my grandparents' house. I have been living here for for about a month or so. And since one of the restrictions the government has is that people over six years old are required to not go out because they're really sensitive in this pandemic. So I've been living with them to try and help them with um, day-to-day stuff like going to the supermarket, going to the pharmacy, and also in the psychological aspect of things, we're keeping each other sane over here. I'm doing online school. It's very romantic at the beginning, just the whole idea of doing classes in your pajamas and having breakfast in front of your teachers and stuff. Over time, this romantic view kind of runs out and it's been getting harder and harder to concentrate each day. It's been tough because my classes are mostly about politics and so we talk all day about COVID-19. So it's a little overwhelming at times. And we even have a joke in between my friends that after everything goes away, we're going to schedule an appointment with an ophthalmologist because of how many time a day we spend in front of a, of a screen. And so it's been, it's been kind of tough. My overall conclusion is that it hits in the very small things. My birthday was just last week, and it was a little sad not being able to blow up my candles, not seeing my friends, and not being able to hug my family because of the social distancing precautions. And so it it hits in the smallest things, I think. When the government said that there were going to be lockdown restrictions, how much time did you have to figure out where you were going to be for that? And how did you decide that you were going to go live with your grandparents then? The first thing that the government did was the president closed our borders. I remember I was having dinner with my friends at the time, but... Um, We didn't think it was going to be that bad at the moment. And that weekend I had scheduled, I was coming to my grandparents' house because we were having like a little lunch in in family. 
And so that Sunday, I think it was that the president gave a national briefing when he said that we were having a curfew. We had a curfew from 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. So we do are allowed to move in between houses and stuff. It's just not recommended. And since I was already here, I talked to my parents and I told them, you know, I might be more needed here with my grandparents than at home. And so we agreed that I would stay here with them. And how long have you been with your grandparents now? I have been for almost a month and a half. That's so great that you are doing that and, and taking care of your family the way that you are. What's it been like for you? I mean, that adds a whole nother level of responsibility to your life at a time when you're already, you know, trying to be a student and trying to navigate being a young adult and that kind of thing. How, has it been difficult to add that responsibility? Yeah, it, it definitely has been difficult because I have my whole morning caught with online classes. Then I, I have to help them a little bit of the afternoon. I try to focus on the positive side of me being here. I really love my grandparents with my whole heart. And as I said before, we're trying to keep each other sane. And so we're focusing on having social interactions between each other because I think that's the most difficult thing right now. Not as much as, you know, going out and buying things, but the side of being together and, you know, talking to each other and telling each other what's troubling them. It's easy to have quality time for a weekend, but when you're there for a month, a month and a half, and it's stressful, how do you try to maintain a, a real positive relationship? And what kinds of things do you do to try to make it something that is positive rather than stressful or potentially negative? On my afternoons, when I finish schoolwork, I normally come down to my grandmother and I help her, her cook, you know, cook and put up the table. And we say little jokes here and there. So cooking has been a, a big part of us having a healthy relationship at the time. It's been very, very interesting for us to do new things in the kitchen. We're currently cooking a turkey. Since we've lost all track of time at the moment, we said, why not celebrate Thanksgiving on May? And so we're currently cooking like a 20-pound turkey. Also, at night, there's this funny show on national TV where families go out and like a trivia show on national TV. And we find it really funny with my grandparents. And so at night, about eight, eight o'clock, We all gather in their room and we see the show and we laugh a little. And so I think um, the time of dinner, the time of lunch and this moment where we are able to go and watch some TV together have been very healthy for us. When you go out of your house, what's it like? Are people wearing masks? Are they staying away from each other or is that not so much the case? Since about two weeks or so, the president um, demanded that wearing a face mask is obligatory for everyone. If you don't wear one, you can be fined. So everybody has to wear a face mask. At the beginning, where we have a shorter curfew, there were gigantic lines outside supermarkets. It was troubling because, you know, the idea of social distancing is staying away from each other and these lines were gigantic 
And so that was, I think, the objective of giving us a couple more hours to go out. Now the lines are not as long. Um, there's still a lot of traffic going out. And most of non-necessary companies have began to work again. So it's been a little chaotic going out. And it's a little scary as well. Guatemala hasn't had a huge outbreak of cases, but it sounds like people are still taking it very seriously. Whereas, you know, in the United States, I think when we were still at the low end, a lot of people discounted it and said it was just like the flu. But it sounds like even though you haven't had a huge outbreak, people are really taking it seriously. Is that correct? Yes, yes. People are taking it, well, as seriously as they can. Um, most of the problem here in Guatemala is that we don't have huge numbers, but our medical system is not ready to handle a pandemic this big. And so we have a lot of problems, um, you know, internal problems in the medical system. And so if we let this thing come out of our hands, it's going to be bad. It's going to be terrible. We have to take the necessary precautions at this stage where it hasn't go, gone that bad. We gained a little time in comparison to countries like you guys at the United States. And so we are seeing what happens if people don't take the measures seriously, the numbers go up. And so that's why it's so important that people are taking things seriously and are doing social distancing as well as they can. There are communities around the United States where you've probably seen there are protests and not everybody listens to the government or obeys what the government would like. In Guatemala, do people tend to listen and do what the government says? Overall, in Latin America, we have problem with politics and with presidents. Our president at the moment just fulfills 100 days as a president, which has been, you know, tough for him, I imagine. And I think this thing that he has so little time as a president gives him a little bit more legitimacy in comparison to the final year in regard to how people take measures and to the public opinion towards him. So I think people are taking seriously what he's saying, but it's since the cultural aspect of Guatemala not everyone can afford to stay at home. 70% of our economy is informal. And so there are a lot of people that have to go out and find something to eat and do something. It's interesting what you say about the economy and a lot of inequity. How is that being handled? Are people who are in sort of low-income populations getting assistance? And how are schools handling that for people who may not have internet access or the ability to do online school? The government has launched several social programs to try to reach out the people that are in disadvantage. Um, the government has launched several social programs for people over 60 years old and for families that are having a tough time, you know, not being able to go out and work. Also, the educational system has this national channel where they have been portraying classes for people that don't have access to internet. Also, the government has been given lunch for kids. In public schools, when, when you go, you have like lunchtime, so the government gives you a little something to eat. 
and this is better for families that have lots of children because you know it's it's a meal less that they have to worry about to get food in their table and so the government has been trying to give these lunches even though they're not going to school because it it's a little bit easier for them but nevertheless um the help doesn't get to as many people as they need it there has been this um, movement where people go out into the street and they wave something white, like a white flag. And this means that these people need something to eat. So if you see someone with a white flag outside, you can give them, you know, some eggs or some sugar or some corn, whatever you, you want to give them. Because this white flags means that they need something to eat. And are people responding to that? Are, are the people that are waving the white flags getting help? People around the city are being as, as helpful as they can. My dad just told me the other day that he, you know, gave some food to some people that had a waving flag outside. But in the interior of the country, it's a lot more difficult for people to be able to give it away because most of them are having the same problem. Is that white flag, is that unique? Is that something that's new related to coronavirus or has that been used before? No, that, that's been new. This came since the coronavirus and to see people in the need to go out and ask for food is very, very sad. From what I've seen, the vast majority of the cases in Guatemala have actually been imported into that country from the United States. So migrant workers that have been deported have brought the virus there. Is that how you all see it as well? And, and what has been said about that and what can be done about that? Well, this is the most important issue the government has been having to address at the moment. About one-fifth of the cases we're receiving is directly from the ported where Malans coming from the U.S., and a lot of the cases are from people that come into contact with them. For me, it's, it's very troubling to think about these migrants that were so afraid to be living in Guatemala. They go to the United States and now they are being sent back. And on top of that, they're coming infected with the virus. It's very sad for me to think how much time they haven't seen their families. And when they come back, they go to government hospitals that are, are not known for being too good with patients and they don't have as human conditions as one, as one could think. So this has been a troubling issue for us. Inside Guatemala, looking out, especially I would say at the United States and our response, what lessons do you think people are learning from the countries that have seen things kind of spiral out of control? I think the most important lesson we need to learn from other cases, especially from the United States, is to take social distancing as serious as we can. For example, Ecuador. Ecuador has had their numbers gone way up because people were not taking things seriously and their medical system really could not handle it. And so they, they, they were having a very difficult time. And so we're seeing all these cases and we're thinking we need to learn from you guys. We need to take things as seriously as we can. 
and spread the word that this is a real issue at the moment and that we cannot have it come out come out of our hands has it been scary for you to to see this spread around the world and to think about what would happen if it started to get out of hand in your country my main concern at the moment and what i'm really scared about is that we're not going to learn from other places where this came out of their hands um especially with young people i think they do not measure as much the possible consequences that this might have if it goes out of control, not only for our health, for the economy of the country as well. And so I think this needs to be addressed. We need to learn and we need to implement it. I was going to ask about that because in this country, there has been reports of college students who went on spring break and went on the beach and, and they said, well, even if I get it, I'll be fine. And Obviously, that's not always true. And second of all, it puts a lot of other people at risk. Being a college student yourself, I know that you're taking it very seriously. Do you think that your classmates are view this the same way that you do? Well, my classmates and me are really exposed to social content. And so I think we are very empathetic toward other people. So I think my classmates and me have been taking this very seriously. But I can tell you, I've seen all over social media, people getting together and people going out. And it's very troubling for me that mostly people from my own university are not taking this as seriously as I would want to. It's very frustrating because I see social distancing as a privilege. Not everyone has the privilege of staying at home and changing your whole schedule to online classes. And so we young people that have the ability to do that, we need to take advantage of it. There are a lot of people that would love to be safe in their home and they cannot do it because they have to go out and they have to work and they have to do something to eat. So it's very frustrating for me to see that young people especially are not taking it as seriously as I wish they could. You sound very strong and committed and you've got great perspective, but this cannot be easy. I mean, not, none of us have dealt with this before. So what is helping you stay strong? Um, well, <laughs> I consider myself a very sensitive person. So one aspect that I have been reinforcing is limiting my exposure to news and to social media because it gets a little too much sometimes. I have been trying to engage as much as I can with my grandparents. They are a huge influence in me and they are very positive and they have so much wisdom that we can learn from them. So I have been talking to them and remembering their youth and stuff like that. So that keeps me very happy. Um, I have been also doing a little bit of exercise to keep my mind of things and mostly engaging in schoolwork. I have been drowning myself in my schoolwork because I really enjoy what I'm studying. So I think that that gives me a really grounded perspective into the point of where I'm standing in and how, how lucky I am of what I have. And that there's definitely people out there that have uh, 
stronger and a more was difficult time compared to what I'm doing right now. Is there anything that you hope that we carry forward from this? Any lessons or what do you think a post-coronavirus world will look like, particularly in Guatemala? One thing I really, really wish we can take out of this is that we need to learn empathy. We need to listen to each other more. We need to be able to put ourselves in each other's shoes and really listen to what our community needs. I think letting go of our selfish instincts would be a lesson that I wish we could take as well. I strongly believe that we can channel our individual interests and also the collective good, as in what I can do to help the community. I really think that this has shown us how many social problems we have that we were not addressing before. And so moving forward, I would really like to think, you know, that everyone is being able to think, how are my actions affecting others? What can we do to help each other? And we need to listen really what the other person is going through and what can we really do to help them. Those are great lessons that I hope that we carry forward and you articulate those so well. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and good luck going forward. Thank you for having me. Voices of COVID-19 is an attempt to document the thoughts and feelings of people who are perhaps outside the limelight to get personal reflections on how a pandemic impacts all of our lives. Please subscribe to this podcast and join us for our next episode, where we'll hear from a teacher and college counselor about what it was like to have the school year turn on a dime, switching to online teaching and trying to help students navigate through an unprecedented challenge. If you know of someone who might make a good guest on this podcast, please send them to me at brian at truevoicecommunications.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay separate. And we'll get through this together. Thank you.